0: God is doing so many tremendous, awesome things within us as individuals, within the body of Christ. We're in a place of being mobilized, being prepared for a tremendous move of God to, to flood the United States. You know, there are some tremendous things happening in other nations, um, but we have been positioned by the Lord for some great out, you know, outbreak in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the thing is, you know, we've got to be the new wineskins to get ready for that. You know, God's got to do some work of transformation on the inside of us so that when as He releases His powers, He releases this move of God, that we're able to sustain it and, and carry it and that it's not lost in the process. So we're going to start looking here tonight in Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth with it and said, "Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven." Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I sin, and who will go for us?" Then I said. Here I am, send me. That's a pretty powerful, dramatic encounter for an individual to have, right? Mm-hmm. And it's being brought up into the very throne room of God, seeing the seraphim, these tremendous, powerful, angelic beings, hearing, holy, holy, there's smoke. There's all kinds of commotion going on. When we have a dramatic dramatic encounter with the Lord like Isaiah has had, you know, it always makes you acutely aware of your own shortcomings, acutely aware of the places where you where you lack. And the first thing out of his mouth is, I am ruined. I'm in trouble now because my mouth is corrupt. I live with a bunch of people with corrupt mouths. And you know, it was a, it was a tremendous, awesome thing that struck fear in his heart. And so what does God do? God comes over, allows the angel to cleanse him of his sin and his iniquity. I have heard stories of people who have been caught up to heaven, and the thing they find out doing is being absolute terrified. God, don't kill me. God, don't kill me. I'm talking Christians. Because to have an encounter with the almighty God of the universe, that's a different thing. That's something that causes you to want to fall on your face and repent. It's something that causes a life transformation. Nobody gets cocky with God in that setting. In that setting, you're just thankful to be alive. And this is where he was, to see the majesty of the Lord that impacted him so dramatically. And so he responds by crying out for cleansing. Notice that God does respond to his cry for cleansing, but the very next thing the Lord does is confront him with a question. It's not enough to be cleansed. God's got a purpose. God's got a purpose, so the very next thing he does, he says, fine, I'll cleanse you, but who's going to go for me? It's like God's making a bargain with him. Notice the seraphim, they're out there crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They are having revelation of the holiness and majesty of Almighty God. They're crying that out. And then they're also seeing, they're declaring the earth is full of his glory. The earth is full of his glory. They don't even say the earth is going to be full of his glory, but they declare the earth is full of his glory. Well, Isaiah says, I live in the midst of people with unclean lips. He's seeing all the corruption, all of the sin, all of the violence is in the earth right now, but what do the seraphim see? They're looking down through eternity, and they're prophetically declaring, the earth is full of his glory, the earth is full of his glory. Folks, it's time for people to rise up and begin to make prophetic declaration about what is, what is happening in the heavenlies, make it a reality here in this earth. We can look right now and we can see a lot of sin, a lot of violence, a lot of hostility on the earth, but God declares the earth is going to be full of His glory. And the seraphim are making prophetic declaration, the earth is being full. They saw God's purpose is not for God and His glory to remain in heaven, but God's purpose is for heaven to invade earth. And the earth to be so transformed by the glory of God that the angels can say the earth is full of His glory. We cry out and we pray. We want to see the glory of God. But folks, it's not enough to see the glory of God in church service. We've got to see the glory of God invade the planet to where it has wrought community, societal change, to where it's brought out not just a change in how we do church, but a change in how we do business, a change in how our neighborhoods are, community transformation with the glory of God. God's purpose is to invade earth. Let's flip back to Genesis chapter 1, very first book in the Bible. You know, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. God's purpose is clearly stated. Start with Genesis 1. We're going to look at verse 26. Then God said... Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that, God, that creeps upon the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is that the earth is filled with his likeness and with his image. You see, God has called us as a people of God to flood and to replenish the earth. Now when God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, that's not just to create uh, you know, a lot of people but it's to create those who have been marked with the image and likeness of God. How is the earth going to be full of the glory of God when the planet is full of people created in the image and likeness of God? This is God's purpose, to, to multiply his people, to reproduce his people until the whole earth is full of people with the image of Almighty God. That's pretty good, don't you think? You know, if you've got a theology that says that we lose and the devil's just, you know, get rid of that stuff, we win. God's purpose is not to rescue the church from the devil's grasp. God's purpose is the church overcomes and overtakes, that we occupy until he comes. This is not a place of military occupation, but it's a place of spiritual occupation to where we are victorious. We are, we are welcoming the king of glory returning back unto the earth. Hallelujah. God's eternal purpose is to flood the earth with his glory, people created in his image and his likeness. Jesus said in Luke nineteen ten, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was a man on a mission. Jesus over and over would say, I only do the things that I hear my father do. And so what was Jesus doing when he was on the earth? He was here bringing restoration so that men and women began to take on the image and likeness of Almighty God. He began to reverse the works of the devil to destroy what the devil had done. But he was a man who was come here to do the Father's agenda, not here to do his own. If you and I are going to become like Jesus, folks, and that means that we're going to do things the way the Father wants them. You know, Jesus said, he says, I did not come to do my own will. I came to do the will of Almighty God. Well, God's purpose is the earth being full of His glory with the glory with people of God. So that means that you and I, if we're going to be like Jesus, have also got to have the same heart that Isaiah had. That is, here I am, send me. Right? Here I am, send me. Do you know that most people do not live for the Lord? Most Christians do not live for the Lord. They live for themselves. They really do. You don't have to look too hard to to tell. Because it becomes down to where does your preference cross what God's will is? You know, our heart is we want to be a people who have had such an encounter with the living of God that we say, you know what, God, your ways are best. I give up my agenda. I'm going to yield and trust your wisdom. I'm going to be obedient to the call and say, here I am, you send me. Because the plan you have for my life is far, be- far better than the one I could come for my life, right? But you said, even, even then, if we have that heart of here I am, send me, you understand that God has given every human on the planet a God-given destiny to fulfill. But you know, a lot of people are not interested in fulfilling what God has planned for their lives. They're interested in fulfilling what they want for their lives. But God wants the earth to be filled with His glory. There's going to be a whole generation of people who are flooding the earth because they're doing things the Lord's way a group of people who are saying, here I am, send me, send me, hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews 3, 1, that Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus is the apostle. Apostle is a word that means sent one, sent one. Jesus said, here I am, send me. So he, as an apostle, was sent here by the Lord to to do the things of God. In John 3 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, what? That he sent his only son. God sent his son into the earth. You know, we need to be men and women who have been sent by Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I was sent to Virginia. Were you sent to Virginia? Yes, you were. Yes, you were. If not, God's been stirring with your heart for some other location. You know, I was sent to Virginia. I wasn't thinking about coming to Virginia. But Almighty God said, send me. My heart was, God, I'll go where you want me to go. You know, I've got places I prefer, obviously. But when it comes down to it, you know what? God knows how he wired me. Do you understand that? God knows how he wired you. So therefore, when God is sending you, he's sending you into a place that he has uniquely designed you for. So I feel pretty good about being in Virginia. I'm exactly what this place needs. (laughs) All right. And so are you. And so are you, because we've been sent here by the Lord. There are many of you that picked up, uprooted, and relocated, and you knew that it was God's will for you to be here. Therefore, you said, here I am, Lord, send me. So I'll go, I'll be there. You send me, there I am. Some of y'all are in this church because you said, here I am, send me. God, can I go to that church over there? God's like, no, you're going to this one right here. Do you know what? God's wisdom is better. God knows what he's doing in each one of our lives. Hallelujah. God is not only did he send out Jesus, but God is still sending out sons and daughters into the earth. He's still sending us out to reach the world. And so, therefore, we've got an apostolic zeal to go forth and multiply his image. You know, what are you doing here in Virginia to further the kingdom of God? That's what you're doing here. Why are you here? To see God's glory come to this section of the country. To see God's glory, to see men and women and children transformed to the very likeness and image of God. That's what we're all about, right? We're all about seeing God's glory begin to rise up in other people. You know, there's got to be, we want to see people enter into their destiny and calling. It's so important to me to help you find out why you're here. Because if you find out why you're here, you get a vision for that. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ignite you to do things God's way. And God's going to be glorified, and you're going to love it too. Hallelujah. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 4, 19, He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. As we are following the Lord, you know, the Lord is still making fishers of men because He's wanting to reach those who don't yet know Him and bring them into a place where God's glory can be seen in their lives. So apostolic people are those who have been sent by God, but sent by God for purpose. Why are we sent? Number one is to preach the gospel to every creature, right? Number one is to win people to Jesus Christ. This is the primary call of us still being on the planet. Otherwise, you would have been raptured out of here as soon as you got born again. Isn't that true? Why haven't you gone to heaven yet? Because God still needs you here. Because there's people here that God has put into your life and is bringing on your, across your path that you're supposed to give witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people... How many of you are thankful for the person that led you to the Lord? All right. How many of you are glad they didn't go home to the glory as soon as they got born again? But this person stuck around, and God brought you across their path, and they were obedient to the Lord and brought you into the kingdom of God. Amen. So the first purpose of apostolic people is to win people to Jesus. That's your first purpose. Your second purpose is to make disciples out of people. That is, when people get born again, you know what? They got a long ways to go. They got a lot to learn. There's a lot of transformation that needs to happen in their lives. When people are born again, they're like brand new little babies. There's a lot of stuff they don't know yet. They, they can't take care of themselves yet. They may have some strong opinions, but they need somebody to watch over them to train them, to raise them up, and to protect them, all right? All right. What has happened in the last number of years has been what uh, Jim uh, Buchan calls the apostolic disconnect, that is, We've heard a lot of talk in the church the last number of years about the apostolic, about God restoring apostles to the body of Christ, about the apostolic movement, about being apostolic people. We've heard a lot about that, right? Most of you have heard a lot about that in the last number of years. And so there's been a lot of emphasis upon, well, that means proper government in a church. We recognize that God still has raises up apostles now, and so we're welcoming apostolic ministry. We've also heard, well, this means apostolic power. This means a lot of apostolic deliverance. We've heard this means that God is raising up and raising up a people who are going to have a powerful doctrine. You know, there's much about apostolic doctrine to return to the foundations that the early church was built upon. And so we've heard a lot about that but you know one thing that has been missing in a lot of circles where people are talking about the apostolic there's a lot missing about winning the lost there's a lot missing about evangelism how do you agree with me i mean i've heard a lot about the apostolic but they've been neglecting evangelism well you know what every movement of god has always begun with an apostolic element Every movement of God, whether it was the Baptist, whether it was the Charismatics, it didn't matter. Whatever move of God over the centuries always started out with an apostolic component. And in each one of these movements, the initial thing, the desire of the people's heart was to reach people for Jesus. The initial drive was we've got a world to reach for the kingdom of God. But what happened over the years is the evangelistic zeal began to wane and people began to get more concerned with preserving the organization or preserving the movement. And so ultimately, many of those movements lost their evangelistic outreach, lost their evangelistic vision, and many of them became ingrown. Selah. Okay? But... What does apostolic mean? Being sent out. Not being sent in. It means being sent out. The original tent intent of every apostolic move of God was to evangelize the lost and to make disciples. Even in the last number of years, we've heard a lot of emphasis upon renewal, right? A lot of emphasis upon revival. Who is renewal and revival directed towards? Christians, right? We've heard a lot in the last number of years, you know, the Toronto blessing. People went up there to get the, you know, to Canada to get in those meetings and they had a lot of soaking meetings. And there's a lot of people talking about soaking and let's soaking and let's get healed and let's get delivered and let's get what we need from God. But you know what? That's fun and that's good in its place, but where is the fruit? Who is being one to Jesus? How many of you think That once you get an impartation from God, once you've soaked, once you've been delivered, once you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it ought to kind of flood your heart with, i got to go reach somebody. Mm -hmm. All right? But what's happened is in many of the renewal camps or revival camps, it's all been inward. Let's go to another meeting so we can feel good. Going to a meeting and feel good is fine, but at some point it's got to translate over into reaching the people for whom Jesus Christ died. If we're going to be apostolic, it's going to have to be an outreach. Because if we're talking about the kingdom of God, the glory of God flooding the earth, that means there's a whole lot more people got to meet Jesus, right? A whole lot more people got to be transformed into the image and likeness of Almighty God. All right. So what's happened is that in... In the Church of America, in many churches, in many of the movements that we've been in, we have developed a mentality that's kind of like, build it and they will come. Well, we'll just have some good meetings and people will come to us. We'll, we'll put up a sign outside and people will come to us. But you know, the early church did not operate that. The early church went out and got the people, went out and told the people. You see it's one thing we can some people will come to us because oh that looks like a nice church they'll go in they'll they're walking off the street you know we've heard examples of things like that where God dealt with a person brought them in they heard a message they got born again that does happen but you know what we also have a mandate from Scripture to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature Isn't that right It's not enough for us to sit inside the church and pray and believe God for people to come in. Not when Jesus said, go into all the world, right? There has been a disconnect. People have thought that they were in an apostolic church or an apostolic movement, but nobody's going anywhere. Folks, that's backwards. That's backwards. You got to go. Once we go and bring them in, then we'll get their doctrine straightened out. Then we'll get them healed. Then we'll get them delivered. But first of all, there's got to be a reaching out for other people. We just don't need to add on the latest Christian fad to what's going on, you know? I mean, I want to see transformed lives. I love hearing the stories about how the Lord has just really turned people around. I mean, delivered them, set them straight. I love hearing stories of transformation. I brag on some of you guys all the time because you're just it's glory to God. We watch how God took a person who was like this and they did 180 degrees and now they're like that. And it's because the glory of God has gotten in and healed them and set them free and caused them to be reflect the image and likeness of almighty God. Hallelujah. So, if we to be apostolic, you know, that doesn't mean that all of us have to, you know, go out and get a plane ticket and fly overseas somewhere to go, you know, reach people for Jesus. You may be called to do that. But you know what Jesus said? He said, first of all, in Jerusalem, then in Judea, right? That means, first of all, in your city. Where's the first place the Lord has called you and me to evangelize? Hampton Roads. Hampton Roads. How about Virginia Beach? How about Denby? How about Great Bridge? How about the place where you live, the place where you work? What about the members of your family? People inside your immediate realm of influence. God has called us to be a light, shine in a dark place because there are some folks that you and I know and love. They need to get reflected in the glory of God. They need to have some transformation down the inside. All right. One major... Function, excuse me, one major function of the apostolic is also to help established churches return to a proper foundation. So we can come into a church that's been established, but maybe an established church has gotten off base, has gotten off course. Maybe we've taken our emphasis in other directions that is apart from the primary clear direction of the church. You know what, church is so easy for us to get off in side streams. I mean, you know, come on, we've all done it. Gotten off inside issues of Revelation. Gotten all excited about the next deep teaching, the next Revelation. And I love Revelation. I love preaching by Revelation. But a lot of times we've gotten so focused upon these peripheral issues that we've overlooked the main thing. Let the earth be filled with the glory of God. You know what, folks? We've got to get to the main thing being the main thing. And this is where it comes down to, you know what? My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And if you're a Christian, neither is yours, right? That we are to be people who say, here I am, send me. But you know what? That makes a lot of us uncomfortable. We don't want to be sent. We don't want to be sent. We want them to come to us, right? Come on, be honest. The idea of being sent is scary. It sounds uncomfortable. But the reason it's so is because we've not been properly trained. You know what? Well, how many, many of you have come to our training when we have done prophetic training? When we, when we have done that, you know, the first time you attend any type of training like that, it's is scary. Isn't that true? It's scary the first time you've gotten there. You're thinking, I can't do that. Don't ask me to stand up. Get some of these guys. But once you came to enough training, what happened? Faith got built up in your heart. Your spirit got activated and stirred up. And after a little bit of experience, you began to say, what was I worried about? I can handle this. The spirit of God's on the inside of me. Open my mouth and he will fill it. And so then some of y'all, we have a hard time getting you to hush, (laughs) right? Because you got so activated, right? Do you know the same thing can happen in any other thing that the Lord has called us to? I've heard so many people called to preach, afraid of crowds, afraid to speak in public. But you're called to preach. You know what? I know lots of people who are introverts that God has called to preach. Isn't that, isn't that God funny? Mm-hmm. is that funny? You know what? God is calling us to do things that we don't feel that we're capable of doing. That means when you are successfully doing it, who gets glorified? He did, because you do, you couldn't do it. So we give honor and glory to God. I love what Tracy says every week. Let's brag on God. God. What's God done? God has stepped up, moved on the inside of me, and I did things I did not know I was capable of doing. It's awesome. It's tremendous. So there is a place to where some, some point we have bought into an apostolic disconnect. We thought that we could be apostolic without reaching out. That's erroneous. And then we have also thought that it was going to be too hard to be sent out. You know what? We need an encounter with the living God that causes us to set aside all, all attitudes of self-preservation and fear and say, here I am, send me. How many of you all heard of Catherine Kuhlman? How many of you know? Catherine Kuhlman was Kuhlman was a woman. She died, I think, in the late 70s. And she was a woman who came to know the Lord as a young adult. And she just kind of came to the end of herself. When she met the Lord Jesus, she didn't have anything to offer. And what she said was, God, here I am. I'm nothing. If you can use nothing, then have at it. Catherine Kuhlman was one of the most powerful, miracle-working evangelists we have ever seen. She was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. She would come out into the meetings, and she would come out, and she would be crying out in prayer, Holy Spirit, don't leave me. Holy Spirit, I need you. She was dependent upon the Holy Spirit, and she did dramatic, powerful miracles. Benny Hinn, he used to come to her meetings. Benny Hinn has done great things, but not as much as Catherine. Catherine was a much more powerful miracle worker than Benny Hinn. And God bless Benny Hinn. God bless him, all right? But I understand my point being is Catherine was small in her own eyes, but she made herself available. Folks, that's what the Lord's looking for because there are so many people, they've got their own agenda. And God's looking for someone who will say, here I am, send me. If you can do something with this package then go right ahead. Come on. How many people have said like Abraham, or excuse me, have said like Moses, I can't talk, I stutter. I can't do this, I can't do that. Do you think God knows your limitations? Do you think God knows what you're not capable of? But what you don't know is what God can do with you and through you. The Bible says His power is made perfect in weakness. The people that look to you in the body of Christ that look to you like they have it all together? Ha ha. Folks, you don't know what personal struggles they are having to face just to stand up and obey God. Right? Folks, it's a time to believe that God's word is true and to trust in him that if he says, I'm calling you to X, Y, Z, whatever it is, that our hearts are Fine, let's go do it. Here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. The apostolic perspective of evangelism. We want to be a church. We want to be a people of God who are scriptural, who are apostolic in an understanding of evangelism. The first understanding pertains to converts. Converts are to have a firm, a a sound foundation. They have actually turned from darkness to light. An apostolic church, an apostolic people are not satisfied with somebody who just prayed the sinner's prayer but had no life transformation. I'm here to tell you, if your life's not been transformed, you're not born again. I don't care. You can say some words. You can say something by rote. But if it doesn't change you from darkness to light, you've not yet been born again. If that scares you, it should. It should. Better to get scared now, right? Better to get it straight now. I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but there needs to be a transformation. The Bible says we go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We go from being the property of Satan to the property of Almighty God. There is a transformation that happens. That's why they call it being born again or being born from above. It's like you have become a new Creation, as the Bible says, right? And if you and I have not had an experience with God that transcends your normal thinking, that causes you to say, you know what, God's real and he's done something inside of me, you've not been born again, you've been duped by religion and we want to deliver you from religion. Genuine conversion includes being saved from this perverse generation. That's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be saved From this perverse generation. That means there's a lifestyle change. That means you're not living like a perverse generation. To repent means to turn around and go in the opposite direction. Converts are people who have actually converted, right? Actually made a change. Y'all know that converting, like when you convert Fahrenheit to Celsius or you convert AC to DC or you convert... There's been a dramatic change, A dramatic change is what God's talking about in the Scripture. Converts are to be baptized in water, and they are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not a condition of salvation. However, it is vital for you living a victorious Christian life. A convert doesn't have the option of being baptized in water or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sorry to tell you all if you thought you had an option. There's a command in Scripture. How many of you have read the Bible It said it's commanded, right? Commanded. So when we come into the kingdom of God, whatever the Lord says, that's what we do. So he says, repent and be baptized, not only in water, but in the Holy Spirit, because this is what we need for successful Christian living. Now, if you didn't know that, if you weren't taught that, there's grace, you know? There's grace, but now you know. Now you know that means you're responsible to do something about it, right? And you grab me or Tracy, even at afterwards, we'll help you out if you need any help in those areas. Okay. Disciples. The apostolic view of evangelism is that a person first of all becomes a convert, and secondly becomes a disciple. The apostolic church of the early the early church had no understanding of the difference between a convert and a disciple. You know, we have said in the Western church sometimes we've said, well. I was born again as a child, but I didn't really become a disciple until I was an adult. You know, the d- disciples did not understand that. The apostles didn't get that because that's a disconnect. Once a person has been converted, they've gotten baptized, they've gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, they are to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told us to go, not to make converts, but to go and make disciples. And unless a convert makes a commitment to, To be a disciple, the job of evangelism is not done. That means if if you didn't become a disciple yet, somehow you missed out on the message. Because the message is you give your life over. The message is that you are now instructed in how to live. Amen? You know what? God's got a better plan, folks. He's really got a better plan. A disciple is a disciplined person follower how many of y'all watch karate kid or one of the karate kid movies wax on wax off you know and remember the kid thought that was just foolishness but because he was a disciple he did what his master instructed him to do folks we need to be disciples of jesus christ when he tells us to do things that we don't like or that are uncomfortable or we don't understand we wax on we wax off we just say yes sir and do it his way all right You know, discipleship is all about obedience to the Lord, obedience to the Scriptures, doing it His way. Hallelujah. (coughs) Then an apostolic view is we take converts, we make them disciples, and they become church members. Uh Uh-oh. Church members. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that in Acts 2.47, "...and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved." Those who were being saved were clearly expected to become part of the local assembly. Membership is not just putting your name on a roll and never showing up again. This type of church membership speaks of relationship, it speaks of accountability, and of nurture and of service. That's why I like the example of, of the body of Christ as well as the family of God. You know, the body of Christ, the Bible says, we are members in particular. How many of you are thankful for all your body parts that actually work? For all them that are in good relationship to all the rest of them, right? Have you ever had a body part that was out of joint? That's painful for everybody, isn't it, right? You ever had a body part that didn't work? Yeah, that's miserable too. You know, we are to be placed in the body of Christ as it has pleased the Father and that means we are to have proper relationship and accountability with the other parts and we are to be of service to the rest of the body Christ. Christianity is the only religion that you cannot practice by yourself. That's right, you can't. You're to be placed inside of a family. Inside of a family, there are some natural um, authority structures. There are some natural give and take. There are some rules because you're in a family, isn't that right? How do we know if you're all by, let's, play, let's say something real funny. If you live all by yourself, right, you could pull the drapes, lock your door, and you could walk around naked all the time in your apartment, couldn't you? <laughs> if you wanted to, you could, right? How do we know if you live with a family? There's some rules about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we have rules about that, right? You know, inside of your own individual life, you may have a lot of personal expression. But God's called us to be, hello, God's called us to be in relationship with one another. That means there's an automatic restraint that goes on with us, right? There's a lot of people all about personal freedom, personal freedom. You know what personal freedom is, an ungodly value system? It's an ungodly value system. It's not all about you. It's about the Lord and His kingdom. It's about everybody else and not about you. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so... Converts become disciples. Disciples become church members. Church members become ministers. You see, the process of apostolic evangelism is to bring you through step by step. First, you're convert. Then you're disciple. Then you're a church member. Now you're a member. You're a minister. Each believer is to be involved in some kind of ministry. First Peter 4:10 says, "As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." One reason the early church was so successful at evangelism was not because Paul and pre- Peter were such awesome preachers, which they were but it's because the body of Christ was doing the evangelism because the people were transformed by the Word of God and the power of God. And in everyday life, the city was getting born again. They weren't waiting to have the big meeting with the preacher come to town. But in the workplace, in the marketplace, in the school, in the home setting, that's where the evangelism was taking place. The conversions were happening everywhere including church meetings, but not just in the church meetings. And every Christian was participating in the Great Commission. Nobody was not participating. I asked many of you earlier this evening, how many of you told somebody about the events of last weekend? Nobody had to hold a gun to your head and and force you to sign a commitment and say, go tell somebody? No, you were excited to tell somebody because of what happened last weekend, right? We told people that we care about because we wanted them to participate because it was wonderful. Right? It's the same type of thing. We have an encounter with the living God. We realize what the Lord has saved us from. It puts a zeal on the inside of us to bring somebody else in to the kingdom of God as well. In apostolic evangelism, it's not complete until. Every convert who has become a disciple, who has become a church member, has also become a minister of the gospel. Doesn't mean you have to be a preacher, but it means that you find your gifts and calling and you're doing what God has called you to do. That's when you have completely been evangelized. How many of you think that the body of Christ could use some evangelism? Because we got a lot of folks who have not fulfilled all these steps. And so therefore, they're not, they're not providing the service that the rest of us need. And so we've not been seeing the growth and the addition to the Lord's church. In addition, as churches are growing and having people who are becoming fully evangelized, then churches also have a vision for planting other churches. It's not enough to just reproduce ourselves as individuals but want to reproduce ourselves as congregations because once we've got this thing working hey then we've got a team that we can go and we can send somewhere else one of the things that years ago used to really trouble me was occasionally i've had a missionary who has come in and spoken in the church missionaries that were sent to foreign nations and there was one time this precious family came in and they were speaking they had a real heart for evangelism a real heart to love the Lord. and reach people, but they came in and they didn't know the first thing about their authority as believers. They didn't know the first thing about the gifts of the Spirit. They didn't know the first they didn't know the first thing about that. They came into our church, and so I had them minister and and uh, when they finished, I called up the prophetic team and I said, "Well, let's prophesy to them. Let's minister to them." And so the team did, and then the man told me later over lunch. He says, I feel like that we receive much more from you than what we gave. And my concern was this guy was being sent out into a place that had headhunters, witch doctors, all that stuff. He didn't know about miracles. He didn't know about the power of God. He didn't know about his authority in Jesus. I'm like, guys, that's dangerous. My heart is that if you get sent out, you are ready for everything that you may face. I don't want you coming behind in any type of good gift or anything. I want you ready to meet every challenge. So, folks, we want to be fruitful and multiply, just as the Lord has said. We want to see the earth filled with the glory of God. It's going to be spiritual transformation. You know what? What happens when God grabs hold of a group of people? What happens when God grabs hold of people and they have become, you know, they know who they are in Christ. They know the love of God. They're grounded in the scriptures. They're out there reaching people for Jesus. What's going to happen to the neighborhood? What's going to happen to the school? What's going to happen to the workplace? We're going to see transformation. We're going to see the earth filled with the glory of God. Hallelujah. You know what, folks? Paul, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of God, but on the power of God. Our salvation needs to be founded and rooted in the power of God, not in an intellectual argument, not in an emotional appeal you know what happens to Christians who become persuaded by an an emotional appeal? They have to get saved every other week because they don't feel saved. How many of y'all been in churches like that where people get saved over and over again? What happened? Because they had an emotional thing. You know what? There are some days you don't feel real saved. That doesn't change anything, right? What about people who get born again uh, through an intellectual argument? Somebody has convinced, convinced them and argued with them. They finally said, well, that makes sense. People who are intellectually converted have no passion to know the Lord. They have no passion to reach the loss. They're just satisfied with an intellectual argument. Folks, Paul did not want his converts to be converts out of an intellectual argument or out of an emotional appeal. He says, I want you to have an encounter with the power of God. How many know that when you have an encounter with the living God, it changes you? And nobody can talk you out of it. Isn't that right? And even on a bad day, you still remember. You see, this is what apostolic evangelism is not just to argue with people. Yes, there's a place for reasoning, to break through mindsets. But when it comes down to it, Jesus said nobody could come to the Father except the Lord draw him. Isn't that right? So our role is to present the truth, to demonstrate the kingdom of God. If they're sick, pray for them. You know, if they need a miracle, believe God, speak to the mountain, do your part, and then expect to see God move because God can draw them by the spirit of God. You see, we're in partnership with Almighty God. It's not all us and it's not all him, but it's us working together. We do our part and let him do his part. Our part is to believe God and speak the truth. God's part is to draw them in, to make them hungry, right? You know, God used another person to bring each one of us to the Lord. But when it came down to it, it's not that person. It's not even so much what they said, is it? It's that Spirit of God moved on your heart. Conversion is a heart experience, right? It's a heart experience. The call, that's why the Peter could stand up on the day of Pentecost and he could preach, repent. He could issue a challenge and say, you need to change how you're living. You need to give your heart to Jesus. a requ- Repentance, not just intellectually believing, but saying, you know what, you need to change how you're living. Changing how you're living is from a change of heart it's from a ch- and will result in a change of conduct. I'm even thankful that conversion is a supernatural experience. I am. I'm thankful because if it's just an intellectual argument, folks, we might be able to talk ourselves out of it. If it's just an emotional thing, we might be able to discount it. But conversion is the living God encountering us. We can learn to be effective in evangelism. We can learn to be an apostolic people who have been properly taught, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and our hearts stirred by him that will cause us to be able to reach people who the Lord has already prepared and are looking for him. I want us to close our eyes. I want us to pray right now. Lord God, there's a lot of us that we have been nervous about evangelism. I'd like for everybody to close their eyes, please. I want anybody looking around. There's a lot of us, Lord God, we've been nervous about evangelism. Lord, there's a lot of us that we've been afraid you're going to ask us to do something like knock on doors. And, and we were afraid, Lord God, of, of being rejected. We were afraid of messing it up. And, Lord God, we want to be effective. We want to bear a lot of fruit. Lord, you said we were to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And so, Lord God, we're saying, God, you're going to have to do some work on the inside of us, Lord God, so we can be fruitful because we just don't want to be busy. We just don't want to have a guilt trip laid upon us, but Lord God, we want to have transformation done the inside of us. We want to be properly equipped so that, Lord, that we can be effective in evangelism, not just bringing people to a, to a verbal um, admission of truth, but God, heart transformation that causes a person to go from being a convert to a disciple, to a church member, to a minister, Lord, to cause us to be fully equipped for the work of the ministry, Father, I just pray right now, God. We ask, Lord God, that you would that you would give us the ability to see you, Lord, an ability that's going to cause within our hearts to cry out, "Who, when you say who will go? Who shall I send?" That God, our hearts are going to respond to you. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me, Lord. Even as Isaiah had his knees knocking feeling completely unworthy, completely out of place. Yet he answered and said, Here I am, send me. As Jesus Christ said, I've come to do the will of the Father. Father, we also want to be people of purpose, people on a mission to see the earth filled with the glory of God, filled with people recreated in your image, filled, Lord God, with people who reflect the likeness and glory of Almighty God. Lord, as we've been crying out to see your glory, God, we want to see your glory and transform lives and transform cities, Lord God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord God, I want to thank you that we are co-laborers together with you. And so, Lord, right now, we're just going to ask you, Lord, we, ne- we need to be able to see the people that you're bringing to our pathways. God, some of us, we don't even know anybody that's not born again. Some of us, we don't know anybody who's not in church. So, Lord God, we're going to ask you to bring some people across our path over this next, next week or two, some people, Lord, who do not know you, some people who are not in church, some people that we can begin to pray for, and as we're led by your Spirit and as we're trained, that we can effectively begin to reach out in due season. Hallelujah. We just ask the Lord to bring some people across your path this coming week. Lord God, would you bring some people across my path? Lord, I don't want to just know Christians. Lord, we want to know the people that are pre-Christians, the ones, Lord God, that you're moving upon their hearts, the ones that are getting ripe, the ones, Lord God, that you're drawing, the ones that are getting ready to have an encounter with Almighty God. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Lord God. And God, I just want to thank you again for the men and women and children who reached out to us When we didn't know you, for the people who extended themselves, who cared enough about our own state, they reached out, Lord, and that we responded as we were led by your Spirit. Father, I ask, Lord, that you give us that same compassion for those whom you're calling, for those who are outside the flock. And Lord, that you replace every bit of fear with joyful anticipation that God would begin to look at this as an adventure, as something more to give glory and honor to you as we see what you do with just ordinary people. And Father, I pray, Lord, for every member of our church, that, Lord, that everyone would go from being a convert to a disciple, to church member, to a fully equipped minister, that everyone would fully learn and understand what their purpose is for being on this planet, that, God, that everyone will find that deep contentment and satisfaction from knowing that we are men and women and children on a mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to take just a couple of minutes. And uh, Tracy and Scott, would you help me out with this, please? I'd like for everybody to take one of these cards. And on these cards, I want to ask for everybody to write down The names of three people whom you know who are not in church. And if you don't know somebody yet, we've already prayed for God. And this needs to be somebody who lives locally, not somebody off from another state somewhere. Someone who lives locally, whom you know is not in church. We are not interested in other churches' members. I mean, we're not interested in that. We're interested in people who are not in church. Okay. Ask the Lord to give you names of three people, and then we're going to pray for them. And as the Lord directs us, and as you're equipped in God's timing, we're going to reach out for those people. Some of you may be ready to reach out right now. Some may take several weeks. But what we want to do is we want to pray for them first. Right? Praying first is good, don't you think? All right. Calling this our fishing pool. Because we're going to pray for these folks. God is going to begin to move and set them up. And he's going to prepare them to get born again. (coughs) Hallelujah. How many of you remember we had prophetic word from uh, Susan Slusher? Remember what she said? She said that God was going to sweep in people in our church. Half of them were going to be brand new converts. Remember that? Mm -hmm. All right. That's people that you and I know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, for some folks, this could be as easy as striking up a conversation with a cashier where you buy your coffee at 7-Eleven every morning. You know, just becoming a friendly person, get to know somebody's name. You don't have to walk in the door and give them four spiritual laws and all that stuff, you know. But just by striking up a friendship. And then just, you know what a good time to do this? You know what's a good time to do this? Tomorrow morning. Because they're not in church. You see, I've done this. If if you go to a business or a restaurant tomorrow morning, you can always say something to them, oh, you had to miss church this morning, huh? And they might say, I don't go to church. Hey, now you know. It's not just somebody who usually goes to church but had to, you know, had to work. There's a lot of people not in church on Sunday morning. So tomorrow morning is a great time to go meet somebody. You don't have to close the sale tomorrow, but you can meet somebody tomorrow. And the next time you go in, you can comment again. You can build a friendship. You know, a lot of people are born are led to the Lord by friendship. Some are led to the Lord by, you know, they go to a Benny Hinn meeting and God has an encounter. But a lot of times it's because they've actually met somebody that has got their attention. All right? All right. When you finish uh, writing down, if you go ahead and sign that and date that. And what I want to do is collect these because I want to get a list of these names. I want to turn these names over to our intercessors. All right? Because we want somebody besides you praying for these people. All right? And then we'll, we'll continue to take in more names. And we just believe God to move in people's lives. All right? And Dan's collecting. Thank you. If you don't have three... That's all right. You're going to meet somebody this next week or two. We're going to pray for them. We're going to believe God. And you also pray for them every day. Ask God to set them up. God knows how to set people up to where they are ripe to listen to him. All right? This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. We're going to have people getting born again in unusual and powerful and wonderful ways. And not only that, But it could be that somebody else witnesses, you know, evangelizes your friend or your family member. It might not even be somebody that you actually get involved in. You know, sometimes, you know, your brother don't want to talk to you. You know, because sometimes he thinks you're a knucklehead, right? He don't want to talk to you. But your brother might talk to you, but he might talk to somebody else. All right. All right. Awesome. We got them all? All right, let's just, let's just take a moment and let's just pray over these names. Why don't you just hold them up, Dan, and, and we'll just, well, come up here so I don't have to turn their neck around. That's good. All right? How do you know that God loves every person's name, every person who is in here? God loves these people with an everlasting love, all right? Let's pray for them. Father, in Jesus' name god these are men and women and children that we know and love and we know that you love them so much as you sent jesus to die for them and so father right now we ask lord that you set your angels loose on assignment lord set these people up make them right make them ready lord to have an encounter with you lord draw them with the love of god bring them lord god to a place to where they cannot resist you any longer And Lord God, we ask you, Lord, that you would just do dramatic transformation. God, deliver them from drugs, deliver them from sex sins, deliver them from addictions, Lord God. Deliver them from selfishness. Deliver them, Lord God, from passivity. Deliver them, Lord God, from family problems. Lord, bring them to a place of receiving Jesus as Savior, as healer, as deliverer, as miracle worker, god for your name's sake for your glory's sake in jesus name god we claim every one of these people for the kingdom of god we say devil you can't have them in jesus name in the name of jesus we claim them for the kingdom of god and we call them in in jesus name lord for your glory for your glory for your kingdom advance hallelujah amen amen i'll take them from you dan glory to god okay folks I'm excited. I'm looking forward to good reports. Let me finish this and I give that back. There you go. All right. Let's hear some good reports next week, okay, in the next few weeks. How many of you glad God's moving in every area of life? Amen. All right. Well, stand up and hug three or four people. Tell them you love them. And we'll see you next week.